Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much. But when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Are you ready to enhance your future in tech? Then it's time to make your move to the UK, the nation that has more tech unicorns than France, Germany, and Sweden combined. The nation that was third in the world to have a one trillion dollar tech sector valuation. The nation where great talent comes together. Visit gov.uk/greattalent to see how you can work, live, and move to the UK. Kathy Greenwood has supported independent tech news directly for almost five years. Thanks, Kathy. Be like Kathy. Become a DTNS member at patreon.com slash DTNS. This is the Daily Tech News for Monday, December 17th, 2018 in Los Angeles. I'm Tom Merritt. And from Studio Feline, I'm Sarah Lane. And I'm the show's producer, Roger Chang. Joining us today, Rich DeMuro, tech reporter for KTLA TV Channel 5 in Los Angeles and author of 101 Handy Tech Tips for the iPhone. Rich, congratulations on uh, the book coming to print. Uh, thank you so much, Tom. Thanks for having me on the show. And uh, very excited about the book, just in time for the holidays. Just in time. Uh, Rich is going to share a few of those tips for us a little later in the show, if you're curious. Let's start with a few tech things you should know. Facebook announced new camera features for Messenger, including native support for looping boomerang videos, automatic background blur for selfies, and the ability to use stickers as AR objects. The five camera modes on Messenger are now normal, video, text, boomerang, and selfie. 34-year-old Colin Kroll, co-founder and CEO of HQ Trivia, he was also co-founder of Vine, was found dead in his apartment Sunday morning. The New York Police Department says the investigation is ongoing, although the police department has said that the death is allegedly a drug overdose. Kroll had moved from CTO to CEO of HQ Trivia just three months ago. Fitbit updated its Ionic and Versa watches with Fitbit OS 3.0 with third-party app support and allowing users to log things like water intake, sleep, and weight from the watch itself rather than just the mobile app as it had been before. <laughs> New apps of note, Couch to 5K. It's a training program that coaches uh, beginning runners towards completing a long-distance race. Maybe you want to do your first 5K. And Atchu Health, which measures a body for temperature spikes that might need attention. Other partner apps will arrive next year including trx gold's gym <laughs> that one is actually very interesting to me because i go to gold's and mind body fitbits charge three does not get these updates however and lenovo announced updates to its thinkpad l series laptops they now have intel's eighth generation chips inside the l390 is 18.8 millimeters thick weighs 3.2 pounds the yoga l390 the one with the flexible hinge same thickness but weighs a little bit more 3.44 pounds both come with 13 inch displays fingerprint sensors and 32 gigabytes of ddr4 ram the yoga l390 starts at 899 dollars that gets you an active pen stylus bundled in and the l390 is cheaper no pen 659 dollars both going on sale this month. All right, let's talk a little bit about Intel selling off another piece of its technology. 
Indeed it is. Canada's North, which is the company behind the Focal's AR glasses, has acquired Intel's augmented reality technology profile, which includes the tech behind Intel's Vaunt glasses. Focal's and Vaunt both use a laser embedded in the stem of the glasses to reflect images directly onto the retina. Now, Focal says it's about to start shipping, but it hasn't announced a firm date. We have not gotten a date as of yet. Focals are meant to you uh, to allow a user to see and respond to texts, get turn-by-turn directions, check the weather, request an Uber, talk to Amazon voice services, and more. North has stores in Brooklyn and Toronto where customers can pre-order the glasses for $999. So they get some defensive patents. They, they say they're not going to use them to go after people, but it'll help them you know, defend against any comers uh, with their future glasses. Uh, they also get a little bit of the, the refinements that Intel had made to the, to the same approach. Uh, Intel was a big investor in Focals, and what Intel had been looking for with their volume Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey everyone, I've been on the go recently. Phoenix, Kansas City, Chicago. If you're like me and have a home but aren't always at home, you have an Airbnb. Hosting your home or a spare room is a very practical side hustle. If you live in a big game town, you can Airbnb your place for fans to stay in. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash boast. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Glasses were a partner to take the technology and make a product out of it, which I guess they sort of found uh, by doing this. Rich, have, have you been covering the augmented reality space much lately? Um, yeah, I mean, it's it's interesting because it's, for the average person, this stuff is really kind of out there. You know what I mean? It's it's And myself included. I mean, I love the idea of Google Glass when they came out, but it just was one of those things that I kind of held back on because... It's just not there. And you can't these, you know, if it's bulky, if it doesn't work just right. And I don't know. I saw this thing when this, these North, uh, these focals first kind of like were announced. They had that big video and stuff on mm-hmm. YouTube. And it looks cool, but I can tell already the first gen glasses are just not going to be what I want to have on my head. Um, and so I don't know. I just, I, I feel like these things will be something eventually. But we are not there, and I don't think we're close just yet. Yeah, I mean, these are these look a lot better than Google Glass did, uh, but they're also about the same functionality. Like they, you know, they're essentially notification viewers for your phone at this point. Well, yeah, I mean, you, you're you're you sort of like texting, uh, directions, weather checking, calling an Uber or something of that nature for a thousand dollars. That's a tough sell for 
me, uh, you know, my phone was a thousand dollars and it's new and I can do all that stuff that way. Plus a lot more. And I mean, we're in this world right now where people are trying to be on gadgets less. So, I mean, this whole digital wellness, well-being thing. So, I mean, where do you draw the line? So now am I going to have a pair of glasses plus the Apple watch, plus my phone, plus a Google home hub, plus a tablet, plus a laptop. That's kind of a lot, even for me. And I get it. Like there will be some amazing implications and applications of glasses like this. But right now we're, it's a little bit much for the average person that's just kind of dealing with, do I get an Apple watch? Do I get, you know, like I have so many things already. Do I really need one thing that's, that's in my face all the time? It'll cut down on your screen time because it'll all be in your face instead of on your phone. (laughs) Help your stats. Uh, The Intercept reports that its sources say Google has shut down a project called 265.com. At the website 265.com, which is still live, last I checked, uh, Google had been collecting data on Chinese web searches. Now, Google just captured the search terms by Chinese users at 265.com. The website just redirected you to Baidu.com. So Google wasn't operating a search engine, and it wasn't terribly productive to use 265.com, but people on the web will use almost anything if it's out there, and it had a little portal aspect to it and whatnot. The idea was to let Google understand what kinds of things Chinese users searched for in general. Google has shut that down because of the pressure on it not to bring a search engine to China. However, Google has not shut down all of its research into Chinese web searches. They're still looking at how a Google search engine could work in China within Chinese law. But this was kind of the backbone in collecting the data for this project and not being able to collect this data anymore, at least according to The Intercept, has somewhat hobbled the entire project. I mean, kind of funny, right? That 265.com was, uh, you know, a place where you could search for things, but it was redirecting everyone to Baidu. Were Chinese users well aware of that fact? Yes. I mean, I don't know. Does it matter though? <laughs> this is, I, was, I, was thinking through, I was thinking through these same questions and I'm yeah. like, People still use Excite.com. People still use Lycos.com. So yeah, it's and the not top like this search was, is like Google. Yeah, this w- <laughs> wasn't like the most popular search engine, but it probably had enough people stumbling across it using it that it gave Google some good data. So why? So they're shutting this down. Why? Just because of the pressure on the whole idea of them starting up anything in China? Yeah, the 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 pressure internally and and externally. A lot a lot of the employees of Google are very unhappy at the idea of even considering a Google search engine. Last week, Sundar Pichai, the CEO of Google, uh, tried to say what they're doing is researching the idea of it to see if anything could work because their mission is to bring information to everyone, and they're trying to see is there a way they could do that in China without etc cetera, etc cetera, and go into the without part though and that's what people have people upset because they they feel like there's no way that google could operate in china without compromising its own principles which which is probably true but i i think it'd be interesting for google to kind of get ahead of this and maybe release some of the things that they found from this site you know like what hmm. what trends did they see um you know or maybe just some sliver of information that um i don't know it'd be kind of interesting because i'd be curious is it is it like one of those like old excites or like one of these random websites that people go on and search you know kind of like the simplest things like yeah, yeah. you know music you know or are they getting some really interesting insights from this or do they get some and that's you know i don't know i mean but i the whole the whole thing about them starting something in China is a whole different conversation. I'm sure you've had many times on this yeah, show. Yeah, sir. For, and, and probably will continue to. 
Well, it's also such a huge market. Uh, Google shutting down something like this is not Google saying, you know what? We don't actually care about the data of the Chinese populace. We'll just deal with, you know, other, other, uh, uh, areas of the earth. They will figure out how to do this in a better way. Mm. Last week, we reported on Robinhood opening up a bit, a bit of a, a, a bank, um, uh, bank, well, checking and savings accounts. Yeah, exactly. It was it was it was it was going head to head with the B of A's and the Wells Fargo's uh, last week. Uh, that was the story. Well, the insurer questioned whether its new checking and savings accounts qualified for coverage under the company's Securities Investor Protection Corp or SIPC plan, as Robinhood claimed. Robinhood has since removed the web page about checking and saving and deleted tweets about the launch as well, which never really looks good for any company. Robinhood now refers the program as a cash management system and says it's working closely with regulators. Uh, if anyone working in, in this sort of industry knows better, please please inform us, uh, like Preston did last week. That, w- that was great. Uh, but from what I understand, if you're using a TD Ameritrade account, for instance, you will have a little bit of cash in there as you sell stocks and it's cash that you can use to buy stocks. And that cash account falls under the SIPC because it's not a regular banking account. It doesn't fall under the FDIC. Robinhood was trying to run a checking and savings account and saying, but it's really just a cash management account. And I think SIPC called their bluff and said, well, if it's a cash management account, yeah, I got to call it a cash management account. You can't call it checking and savings. We don't care how yeah, much interest one, it, you're paying. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because if you're using it on TD, it's kind of like a side thing. Like you're not making your money or it's not a day-to-day account that you're using for a lot of transactions. So that does fall under that. But if you're talking an account that the primary use is a checking and savings account, like I can understand, like I, I'm kind of a layman when it comes to the the financial services, but the reality is I, I kind of understand where they're coming from, that this was not the spirit of how those accounts were created. Sure, they pay more interest because they're being used and invested and all that stuff, but like that's not how we meant for those to be used. But I got to give credit to Robinhood for trying something new, putting pressure on banks and trying something different and you know, paying people a decent return on it. I mean, the only reason I wouldn't give them credit is you, if you're <laughs> going to call it cash and checking, you should have set it up as, I'm sorry, checking and savings. You should have set it up as checking and savings under FDIC protection, but they probably couldn't yeah. give you that sweet 3% interest rate if they'd done that. So I they probably know. should have done their homework a little bit better. Yeah. Splash Data announced its yearly analysis of leaked passwords to create that font of joy the annual worst passwords list and returning at number one, one, two, three, four, five, six. These, these are passwords culled from actual breaches. They, they go and they, they find dumped password lists on the internet. And then they look at what passwords people were using and they compile this list. Uh, password itself was, was number two. Um, most of the rest of the top 10 were, you know, variations on one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, you know, one, two, three, four, five. However, Instead of poking fun at the people who use these passwords, let's join Naked Security. Naked Security at Sophos.com said, let's not point fingers at the users this year. Let's point fingers at the websites that allow users to create accounts that use these kinds of passwords. Mm -hmm. A lot of companies don't. If you try to use password as your password, it'll say that's not a strong enough password. You need to put something else in. So the companies that are are the ones who could end this password list 
tomorrow if they all just decided to say you know what if it's on the the, the yeah, worst right. passwords you need list an uppercase letter you can't use one two three four five six yeah and <laughs> and some sort of a symbol you know what's funny i i've actually been um denied uh, by and I, you know doesn't matter who but there are a few um when I had to um, uh, reset a password for whatever reason, where it was like, that password's too long. We only accept passwords between this and this amount of characters. And I was always like, huh, well, that's odd. One would think the longer the better. But um, but but at least having a website say, well, no, 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 hold on. Like, we're, we're actually paying attention to this. This is, you know, rather than saying uh, weak password, medium password, strong password, which is helpful, I guess. But I think a lot of people just ignore that being like, no. You cannot have something that's only numbers. You can't have anything that's been, you know, your password for the last uh, five passwords if you've been changing recently and all that sorts of other stuff. It's it it is kind of on the websites at this point because there are just too many breaches and you can't count on people to to care. I wonder if it's ironic that the the websites that, like you said, Tom, the, the websites that kind of allow this to happen. Um, they're the ones being breached. So clearly they just have bad security in general because they're compiling these passwords off of all the breaches out there. And there've been some high profile breaches, but, um, I personally like password number 20 on the list Mm. because it shows a little bit of kind of like, um, determination because it is, if you look at it, it's all the shift one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. So, (laughs) You know, to me, I think it looks very like like yeah. a strong password, right? Like I would think that's a good one. But exclamation alpha kinda... sharp dollar sign percent. Yeah, yeah, you're using special characters all over the place with that one. You're right. That's the, right. The... But Sarah, this one would be rejected because it doesn't have any um, letters or numbers in it, so it would be rejected as a not safe password. Well, then just do password all caps before it, and then you got you Ooh, have a long perfect. strong password. <laughs> Password all caps. <laughs> Don't tell me anybody's using that. Oh please, um, probably. Well, I, you know, there, there. I think in 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 a lot of users' defense, these are uh, default passwords that often companies say, sure. "Here's here's the default password. Go in and change it," and then someone just doesn't. So again, it kind of falls back on the companies. Totally does. Um, yeah. But but as somebody who considers herself um, a pretty good internet detective, I will say sometimes you can just guess a password pretty easy if you really want to, and then not do anything bad to that person. Just know that you're better than them. Okay, moving on. In gadgets, Chris Ip profiled the Future Interfaces Group, or FIG Lab, at Carnegie Mellon University, which researches new ways to interact with technology. One example is having a drill or a doorknob emit an electromagnetic signal to talk to a wearable and identify objects. The lab also uses lasers to read vibrations, ultrasound to detect things like coughing or typing, and an accelerometer to identify actions like sawing wood, for example. The lab generates hundreds of ideas each year, generates about 20 prototypes, and then publishes research on from five to 10 of them. Two projects turn into startups and others have been licensed since FIG started in 2014. I feel like this is the companion piece to last week's 50th anniversary of the mother of all demonstrations because all the mm-hmm. input devices he showed 50 years ago are the ones we have now, <laughs> right? Uh, <laughs> keyboard, mouse, touchscreen was all there. And now you have this 
other end of the spectrum, this group working 20 years in the future saying, well, what if we had something called Ubacoustics? This is an actual project they're working on where machine learning just knows the different sounds things make and can tell exactly what's going on in a room based on the sounds so that just tapping you know, on a projection could be an input or just swiping things could be an input. It's, it's fascinating to watch what they have going on there. It makes that, it makes a lot of sense. Um, it kind of reminded me of this device that, uh, oh, what was it? Belkin, they have like some sort of water device you put on your water pipe and basically they analyzed all the sounds that your water pipe makes and they can tell if something's leaking, if it's like a toilet versus a faucet based on the acoustics of the leak. So, I mean, it's, I mean, kind of similar to the, what you're talking about. Very, it's just amazing what you can figure out these days by acoustics and algorithms. Hey folks, if you want to get all the tech headlines each day in about five minutes, don't forget we have a show called Daily Tech Headlines, a a separate show offered by the same team here at dailytechheadlines.com. Keeps you up to date every day in a short amount of time. All right. Let's talk about iPhone tips. Uh, As I mentioned, Rich has a print version of his book, 101 Handy Tech Tips for the iPhone Out. And uh, Rich, thank you for being willing to to share some of these as sort of a sampler uh, with people. What's the first one you got for us? Uh, Okay, let's talk about the first one, which is, uh, let's see, what do I have here? Set up screen time and app limits for your kids. So um, these are, look, the book is not like a manual for the iPhone. It's kind of like using all the questions and things I've gotten over the years of what people find interesting or fascinating. Um, and also the stuff that I just think they should know about, right? Like this, the safe, the strong passwords. That's like one of those like basic internet security things. This book is kind of like my idea of what you should know about when it comes to your iPhone. And obviously it's geared at someone who is maybe a little bit less tech savvy or someone who doesn't even have the time to go in and set all this stuff up. So First off, with this version of the book, I went through iOS 12, kind of like all the new features and went through what you need to know. So set up screen time and app limits for your kids. I actually did this myself when I was writing the book. I've got two kids and it's pretty amazing what Apple has built. So obviously you have screen time for yourself and you can see kind of like how often you're using your phone when you're picking it up. All that stuff is like not that interesting to me, right? Like I don't really care that I'm using Instagram for an hour a day. But what is interesting is that you can go into your family settings and uh, your family sharing and literally limit the time your kids have on their iPads and by apps and all those kind of things. So I thought that was great. And the best part, uh, Tom and Sarah, is that when I uh, set this up for my kids, number one, my kid immediately noticed something was different. He was Mm -hmm. like, why am I getting timed now when I use my stuff? And then he noticed that everything kind of stopped working after a certain amount of time. But this is the best part. Kids are so smart and resilient. My kid will no longer watch Netflix on his iPad. He will watch it on the TV because he knows that's not metered. Hmm. Yeah. There's always a workaround and kids are usually better at finding it than the rest of it. So that's mm-hmm. for sure. Kind of a smart, smart one. Um, <laughs> autofill passwords. This kind of goes into what you were talking about uh, earlier. And uh, this is tip number 12 in the book. And I don't know if you've turned this feature on, but it's fantastic. Now with iOS 12, kind of like an Android feature, you can actually have your phone autofill your passwords, not only with Apple's built-in password manager, which is pretty decent, um, but also you can use, you know, LastPass or Dashlane or 1Password, and it will actually fill those in for you as you go along. So a lot of people use these terrible passwords because it's so much work, right, mm-hmm. to come up with new passwords. Um, the Apple one that's built in is not bad at all if you only use Apple products, right? So if you're not switching between various computers and, you know, if everything you have is a Mac or an Apple product, you'll probably be okay with their built-in one. 
And I went to like a web page, like you go to walmart.com, you say sign up immediately, it just pops in a really nice password. Um, and you pop in your email address and it saves it. And next time you go to that website, it will do that. Again, these are things that you and I understand, but my parents and a lot of folks out there that literally just keep changing passwords to variations, not a smart thing to do. Just take the five minutes to set that up. Now, the next one you have here is one that I think applies to all of us. Yeah, you know, these, these first two may be things that you want to tell your friends and family. Maybe you want to buy them the book as a present, uh, perhaps. But, but this one, I, I don't know a lot of people know. This is a great one. In fact, uh, tip number 27, create a medical ID for emergencies. My wife texted me when she read the book and she's like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. I just set up the medical ID. And it's like, to me, that's really nice to hear that, you know, to like someone that's so close to me that literally hears me talk about this stuff all the time for her to just sit here and get up to that tip and be like, oh my gosh, I got to do this right now on my phone. So you go into the health app and this is a nice little feature on the iPhone. You go into the health app and you basically set up all of your emergency contact information. So you can put in your allergies, you can put in, you know, some phone numbers of folks that people will be able to dial kind of like your emergency, you know, in case of emergency contact, remember those ice, You can set those up so that someone doesn't need a passcode to dial those phone numbers from your lock screen. So that's really nice. Um, You can put in your blood type, all this different information. And it's interesting because people might say, oh, look, Rich, come on. If you're sitting there on the side of the road uh, half dead, is a first responder really going to go to your iPhone and call your emergency contact? Probably not. But I was reading some forms online and I learned that some of these first responders say they might not use it. But once you're in the hospital, once you're stabilized, they may rely on that to kind of if you're in a situation where you're by yourself, they might use that to find you. So it's one of these things. Just have it set up. Why not? Right. Yeah. And, and having your information in, in multiple places uh, when they need to know your blood type fast uh, might might be advantageous. I mean, they can type your blood, but it takes longer. And allergies. I mean, that's a big one too. Oh, sure. You know, if yeah, you have you know someone with allergies, that's that could be a, a life changing thing. So, uh, now, let's I, see. I use I use my phone as as a magnifying glass, <laughs> but I'm not sure I'm doing it right because you, you have a tip on this. This uh, this is one of my all time most popular tips I ever shared on TV, and this is actually the inspiration for the book because I couldn't believe oh, something really? could be this powerful. That was such a no brainer. Um, in the accessibility settings on your iPhone, there's a thing called magnifier, and once you turn it on, you can then tap the side button on your phone three times fast, or if you have a phone with a home button, three times fast, and immediately your screen turns into this giant magnification glass. And you can use it to read menus. You can zoom in and out. There's like a little slider at the bottom where you can zoom in. And I'm not kidding. When I shared this tip for the next six months, when I was going around town, I would have more people come up to me and say, Rich, your tip on the magnifying glass was unbelievable. I've been working at KTLA for seven years. And (laughs) this was the thing that it, it just, I couldn't believe it. I was like, really? And so that's in the book. That was kind of the inspiration. And that's uh, a fun thing, especially for menus. I saw my father-in-law looking at the menus. He used to keep a little magnifying glass Mm. in it, like a pocket one in his uh, wallet and no more. So you don't have to just use the camera and zoom in. You could could actually have a real, real magnifying situation going on. Yes, this actually adds some extra... accessibility feature. So you can actually change the color of the text. So some people have, you know, visual impairments for like, you know, if they can't see blue very well, or they can't see, you know, high, they need high contrast text. This will do all of that inside that little magnifier. It's more than just a zoom on the camera. Exactly. Now uh, let's finish up with this, this very last one uh, you you have in, in our uh, rundown here about tabs, because I know tab management is a huge one for people. 
This was the second most popular tip I've ever shared on TV, and I could not believe it. So um, the state of TV nowadays, sometimes I'll do things on Facebook, and then if it bubbles up really popular, I'll present it on TV. Mm. This was one of those examples where I was just like, oh, let me show people how to close out the tabs on their Safari, right, on their iPhone. So if you go into Safari and... Um, you just click those two little um, squares in the lower right-hand corner mm-hmm. that are kind of overlapping and just press and hold on them for a second to kind of 3D touch or force touch it, as it used to be called. And next thing you know, the top little menu will say close all and the number of tabs you have open. And I was getting emails from people with so many notifications telling me how many tabs they had open unknowingly on their phone for like three months. <laughs> it's like I had 197. I was actually at one point keeping track of how many people, how many tabs had the highest, you know? So I am, like you said, Tom, I am like a tab. Um, I really like to keep tabs on my tabs. You know what I mean? Like I yeah. like to close mine out. So this is a fun one for me. Yeah, I think a lot of us like to keep tabs in our tabs. It, it, tab management has is consistently throughout my entire career doing anything related to tech been one of the things people really enjoy hearing tips about for some reason. I don't know why. I mean, it's, I, I think it's very satisfying to close out all those tabs at once. Um, and people, you know, so it's stuff like this in the book. It's just, it's little tips and tricks, mm-hmm. like things that are kind of, the iPhone does a lot of stuff that doesn't meet the eye. And if you're sitting there kind of just using it on a daily basis to social media and to text message and to make phone calls and to take pictures, there's just so many little things. Like if you take like a little bit further look, or if you swipe in a different way, or if you tap a little bit harder, um, it, it really brings out like all these cool new features that are just sitting there kind of dormant in your phone. And I just thought it was fun to research the book because I knew a lot of these, but obviously I had to come up with 101 of them Mm -hmm. um, and to kind of just execute. I mean, it was just really fun to write this. Well, thanks to everybody who participates in our subreddit. You can submit stories. Perhaps they are iPhone tips. Perhaps there's something else. Vote on others at dailytechnewsshow.reddit.com. It's how we kind of keep tabs on what you like and want to hear more about. We're also on Facebook, facebook.com slash group slash dailytechnewsshow. All right, let's move on to our thing of the day. Chris Christensen, the amateur traveler, is back sharing his experience using T-Mobile International roaming and Google Fi when overseas. This is Chris Christensen from Amateur Traveler with another Tech in Travel Minute. I was just in Japan with my family, and my daughter and her husband were using Google Fi while I was using the T-Mobile International service, so I had a chance to compare them. Both are great services because they'll give you international roaming in over 100 countries so that when you get wheels down on the tarmac, you can turn on your phone and check your email, which is terrific. The T-Mobile service is unlimited use, both domestically and internationally, But when you are roaming, you get slower speeds, more like 3G speeds. So good for email, but not for downloading podcasts. The Google Fi, on the other hand, charges you the same rates when you're traveling as it does at home, which is $10 per gigabit, but gives you whatever speeds are available in that country. As far as cost goes, it seems that about 5 megabits per second is the break-even point. If you use more than that, T-Mobile is cheaper for you. Less than that, Google Fi would be cheaper. I'm Chris Christensen from Amateur Traveler. It's been a few years since I, I did the same thing. And, and back then you were kind of getting 2G speeds. So it sounds like it's gotten a little better actually on the T-Mobile side. And and Google Fi coverage was good in Japan back then too. So good good to know those are both good options for you. 
Thank you, Chris Christensen. And thanks also to Rich DeMiro for being with us uh, today. It's been a while. I don't think you and I have been on this show together, um, but um, but real nice to have you. Uh, great tips. And let folks know where they can keep up with your work. Sure. Uh, thank you, by the way. Uh, richontech.tv is my website. The book is on Amazon, 101 Handy Tech Tips for the iPhone. And of course, I'm on social media, um, either Rich DeMiro or Rich on Tech. One of these days, I will get them all aligned. <laughs> Excellent. Uh, go check it out. And uh, richontech.tv slash book press. Does that get you right to the book? Uh, richontech.tv slash book. Slash book. Thank you. Uh, go check it out, folks. richontech.tv slash book. Uh, don't forget that there are lots of cool reasons to become a member of Daily Tech News Show at patreon.com slash DTNS, one of which is you could be the person who pushes us over the goal line for our monthly goal of having one more patron than last month. Uh, right now, we are four, just four shy of that goal. So if four of you became members today, we'd be right at our goal at patreon.com slash DTNS. If you have feedback for us, well... Have I got an email address for you? Feedback at dailytechnewsshow.com. Thanks for all the feedback. Please do keep it coming. We're also live Monday through Friday, 4.30 p.m. Eastern, 21.30 UTC. You can find out more. Tell a friend at dailytechnewsshow.com slash live. This show is part of the Frog Pants Network. Get more at frogpants.com. Club hopes you have enjoyed this program. <laughs> Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads.